Um, the scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good to see y'all today. Good to see anybody in person, right? Um, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, we are, go- are coming to point two of uh, what has become one sermon split into three parts. And we did this so that we could dedicate time and discovery to each point, especially leading up to November 4th, right? And just a review of what we saw last week from this scripture in part one, that God has sent us, his people, a king of his own choosing, a king to administrate his kingdom to us and for us. That king, Christians, believe ultimately is God's son, Jesus. God come in human flesh. But in the Bible, um, just in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, what we see is God was already preparing and introducing that coming King Jesus to the world through human prototypes. Which means these human display models were far from perfect, but were perfectly used by God to point us to and paint for us a clearer picture of what we can and should hope for and expect from Jesus now and forever. David, King David, who was born a thousand plus years before Jesus came, is one of those prototypes. When we see David, depending on how he is cast in the story, let me emphasize that, because sometimes David is cast as just a regular fallen dude with problems. But when he is cast and written in the passage, like we have here, David points to the one who is and will be God's chosen king to save us. Last week, we saw one of those three facets of of God's king, that that God's king recognizes, receives, and hears the diversity of God's people, all of their issues, their brokenness, their cultural histories, their cultural disparities. And therefore, we all people groups should feel confident and not prejudiced to come before him as a king for all people. This week, we will see how God's king is our shepherd. 
Look again at verse 2 with me in this passage. It says, In times past when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. And we're going to come back to the prince part, right, next week. But what they're saying is we trust the king. We are trust entrusting our lives to God's king to be a royal shepherd over us. And they describe what shepherding feels and looks like earlier part, in the early part of verse 2 by saying it was you who did what? You led out and brought in Israel. What you see is a picture and description of a king who is also a shepherd out there with the people, bringing them in, being seen by them, following them, a gentle and firm and loyal leader. They are saying God's king, seen in David like a shepherd, led them out, in kind of taking the shepherd illustration, led them out to pasture, right? He led them into the elements, into the unseen and unknown, but also into the places where they could graze and eat. And then onto the other side of it, bringing them into the fold or into the fence, into safety, into healing, into rest. When David was Saul's general, under King Saul, this is the kind of way, this is the way he led God's people. Jesus later even talked about, right, leaving the rest to even go after the one lost sheep. Maybe David did this for the one tribe who was separated from the flock, strayed or stolen, lost and taken, taken and bring them back in. Uh, not only is this kind of like this pastoral illustration, but it also points to the king like a shepherd, hear this, who led God's people out to war as God's sheep and coming back in in victory without losing or leaving or abandoning them and taking them into that setting. They are saying and declaring that we, the people of God, we have that kind of leader. That we can and must trust that, that God's king will lead us both in and out. That he is leading us in and out and through this life. Sometimes in ways that are unclear to us. Look again at verse 2. In times past when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. So he was the general, right? He wasn't the king. They did, and as I read this, I realize they're not, they didn't necessarily consider him the shepherd of God's people at that point. Right? But they look back now and they said, while we followed Saul as king, it was you who was shepherding us, right? It was you who was bringing us in and out. And now at, now at Hebron, we're recognizing that. We're admitting. Therefore, I, I believe they, did, they didn't act or treat David like this royal shepherd or, or saw this shepherding while it was happening. They are now looking back and saying, it was you. It was you who was there. You were God's king for us when we didn't even know, like you were already ordained as God's king and royal shepherd when we didn't even know or want to recognize or we only saw Saul leading us. We didn't really see that God was using you. One of the hardest things about trusting 
God's king is that whether you're going in or out, it's not always clear where and why he is leading us, right? Sometimes it's hard to see him. In this world, we experience a myriad of things, don't we? Danger and losses, success and victory. And the Lord may in his shepherding, right, take and lead you, his people, through that, in that path, right? He may take us away from where we least see ourselves being or going or envision ourselves experiencing with him as our Lord. We might not even be thinking the Lord is leading, leading us. The king is leading us. Maybe he's taking us from nice, uh, t- taking us from nice to, to, to spaces and experiences that are not so nice. From spaces that are difficult into less difficult spaces. The, the Lord is our shepherd is taking his people in and out, which means he is taking them through ups and downs and hills and valleys to climb and decline, light and dark, cloudy and clear, joy and pain, sunshine and rain. God's people in this passage are saying, what is difficult, but, but, but what must be changed, right? What we, what we must be changed by. You as God's king will lead us wherever you lead us. And here's the hook, right? We can trust you. We should trust you. Not because we are in or out, right? Not because we were in the green pastures. Not because, you know, things are going well. Not because when we look around, we see other sheep just like us, right? Or because it is clear where and why you're taking us or there. That's your decision, whether it's hard or easy. But we can and should trust because you, God's King Jesus, are the one leading. We need that kind of trust. Especially in uncertain times like we're going through right now, right? We're about to have changes in leadership or changes in perspective or there's going to be some doubling down on, uh, on things politically in our country, socially in our country, depending on what happens in this election, right? Growing up, as a child in Mount Zion, African Methodist Episcopal Church. One of the most popular songs that moved the church emotionally and spiritually, you knew it was going to be, the spirit was going to fall, right, that Sunday. That the church, that the, the song was going to go extra long that Sunday, right? Was when, when they would sing the song, by and by, when the morning comes. Now listen to these lyrics for some of you young bucks who don't know. By and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of God are gathered home. We will tell the story how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Trials dark on every hand. I was a kid. I didn't hear all this. (laughs) And we may not understand all, all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. 
but he'll guide us with his eyes and we'll follow till we die. And we'll understand it by and by. Temptations and snares often take us unawares and our hearts are made to bleed for a thoughtless word indeed. And we wonder why the test when we try to do our best. But we will understand it better by and by. What was interesting is I looked around the church during the singing of that hymn at raised hands and teary eyes was just the amount of older saints who had endured so much, especially as African-Americans in, 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 in Charleston, South Carolina, they were still singing after years of following Jesus that by and by, hear this, they will understand it better that life as a believer in their 70s and some in their 80s meant for them and means for us that we follow and are led in ways that we can't and may never see or understand why. Come on, you're 70, you're 80, and you're still singing in a song. You're still following Jesus in uncertain ways. You're still going through darkness. You're still wondering when this is going to be done. They're singing, why here, Lord? Why now, Lord? Why them, Lord? Why us, Lord? We'll understand it better. By and by, but the by and by might be heaven. You know, the woke movement in our country and world and the church among believers has led some groups more out and others feeling more in. Left some feeling more in the dark, like they just starting Christianity all over again. And others into clarity. Some are seeing Jesus' care for them as their trusted shepherd more than ever as the church turns to more social justice issues in light of what's going on in our country. While honestly, let, let's just say it, some of us feel like the church is straying and getting lost. And we are feeling and believing one or two things that one, either those woke folks are straying or the unspoken and second thought that maybe we may be missing and unable to stomach or accept what Jesus is sincerely doing. Throughout the ups and downs, plateaus and climate changes of history, guess what? The Lord has led his people not only around it and over it, but through it and in it. And sometimes there are sheep and tribes of sheep that are more or less afraid, uncertain, attempted to question what the Lord is doing and where he is leading. Get this. You may feel on the outs right now. Or Jesus might be more focused in his mission to get those who need more attention or may be in danger of straying or being lost. And that means you may feel, I said, feel less valued or left behind. But his mission and movement and focus on certain things and certain times in history is not him leaving you or the church straying or that, oh, the church must be straying. We're becoming unorthodox. It's going crazy out here because we become so social justice focused. What if he may be leading us in and out of ways that aren't clear to us? 
Could it be possible that Jesus is leading the church and leading you and me in places we've never been? Into pastures we haven't experienced, which means, guess what? We will feel like we are passing through the valley of the shadow of death, the death of our Christianity, the death of our morality, the death of what we thought was right and wrong, the death of what we thought were the most important issues. And Jesus is taking us through the valley of the shadow of death, and we are experiencing it differently than other people, but he is taking us through pastures of his grace. And that may mean when, when verse 2 says, right, you, when it says you led us out and brought in Israel, that like David, God's king may take the herd to go get rescue, find and heal another tribe or lost person and group and to do that, like we see David do in the war, he will lead other tribes into dangerous places and journeys to save and help and heal and minister and rejoin others, right? That it will cost us and it may cost us our comfort to follow the king, to follow Jesus. And this doesn't have to be some, you know, group social justice thing. It's just a great application right now. It makes sense right now. But even in your individual lives, God may take your nice, full of green pastures, fat life. And then take you in a place to care for somebody else. For the sake of someone else. Or in that part of society, on the other side of the valley of death, right? Through those dark woods, right? To those folk or, or those issues that may not directly affect us. We may look at Jesus and say, why are you taking us out of this pasture? We've been in this pasture for years. It's done us well. We're doing good. We got, we're making good money. You know, we, we feel confident about our faith, Lord. We, we think we okay. And Jesus is like, you know what? There are others, right? There is more to conquer. And we'll see this through Samuel. We're not done yet. Let's fo follow me, your shepherd. Let's go. And this happens. Throughout the historical books that the king takes another tribe or group and sometimes tribes that don't get along historically to war for their lost and needy brothers and sisters or to share their resources and wealth and prosperity and power, their green pastures. Jesus is bringing people from outside, right, to eat on your green pastures, right? Going back to this woke stuff, the woke movement, social justice-focused theology and Christianity, and a church like ours, I know, has left many feeling clouded and confused, thinking we were okay, and finding out made to feel like we weren't and aren't, that we are complicit in ways that we never imagined, that we were and are still in the dark about what we did or need to do and why we are being blamed or marginalized or mistreated for just being White, you're just trying to live for Jesus, right? Why wouldn't God just leave us in this pasture? Why would he take us through so much darkness over there? Why would he make us feel so uncomfortable 
Why would he make us feel like we're the ones to blame? We didn't own slaves. My best friend was black. My maid was black. My friend on the football team was black, right? You've done good things, I know. And it's just very difficult to hear it and feel it. I don't doubt that. But I want us to recognize that for people of color, right? Let me explain this to you. I'm going to take time to talk about this. Being woke or things being brought up under the shepherding care, focus and light of the Lord is not a social, emotional, or mental advantage. Did you hear me? Or being on the ups over white brothers and sisters during the woke movement. No. It's brought many of us down. Being woke means being awakened during a painful procedure. Or the anesthesia or mass opiate wearing off and feeling the pain. Woke is an emergency call, right? Emergency call and care for how some of us have been walking around with open and unseen wounds that have become infected and debilitating. That as some recognize the history of oppression, not redacted history, just realized history, right? It has made many of us feel like we have been on the out for a long time. Disenfranchised, homeless children who were abused not just by their own family, that's not the hard one, but hear me. Do you know how discouraging the whole woke movement is in this way? We feel sometimes that maybe the Lord left us behind. The Lord who had the power to spare and protect, but didn't. And the real danger is not in pulling away from traditional white evangelicalism and losing black people. You know, your black folk are leaving the confessional Christianity and they're all going to get unorthodox. No, that's not it. That's not what's going on here, at least. But questioning why Jesus would let his people go through what they have been through and continue to suffer the way they do and feel the way they do and have to explain themselves and live in the side effects of macro and micro social aggression, which can make us feel feel bad. And in regardless of race, I know a number of you have individual stories of suffering and trauma. But many for this tribe, I kind of am in, I'm in, are thinking at best, why God? Why are you doing this, Jesus? Why do we have to go this way? But worse, hear me. There is no God. Right? That's the worst. The God my evangelical Christianity talked about, he don't exist. Not if it's tied to prosperity. <laughs> Not if it's tied to power. Not if it's really true that in God we trust is on the dollar bill, right? Not if if it's tied to that. God don't love me. God's not shepherding me, right? I don't see my shepherd anywhere. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death and I'm here to stay because I can't be prosperous. 
So God doesn't exist. Or I have to be a Hebrew Israelite. Or I have to be a Muslim. Right? Where do you think this comes from? He would not have allowed these atrocities to continue if he was God. (laughs) Maybe I wasn't good enough. Right? Here are the thoughts as you're being shepherded. I'm getting, this is about being shepherded in the dark, right? You know, I should just be a better reformed Calvinist. God brought me over on a slave ship and for me to be treated like chattel, right? So that he can save me. Right? (laughs) That's difficult. When you look at everybody else, you think, there ain't no God. That's their God. I got to find a God for me, right? That's the danger. This isn't a confrontation of, of one race or the other. This is a candid discussion from, hey, y'all, y'all forgot? I'm a black man. Your pastor is a black man. And so as I tell you, it's an experience. It's a, it's a testimony of what's going on. I'm not saying that you should have the same experience. I'm not saying that, you, uh, I, that I'm blaming you for my experience. I'm not asking you to feel bad. I'm not asking you to do anything. I am saying in some way you can understand how you come to the place where you say the Lord, that Lord is not my shepherd And that Lord is not shepherding me. It don't have to be the race thing for you. I'm just using that as an example because it's hot right now. And it's been hot for 400 plus years. And it's hot every time I go home. We talk about this all the time, y'all. It's like, uh, like some of the conferences we go to on race. Every family discussion is a conference on race. You don't know that? When you go home, it's a conference on race. Man, that Charlotte Justice Conference was great. Thank you, Nicodemuses. But don't you know we have the Charlotte Justice Conference every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every family gathering. Anytime there's, a, 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 you know, your folk in the room, it's the Charlotte Justice Conference. And you know what we're talking about? Is the Lord shepherding us? And if he is, prove it. I was talking to Kelly about why we are still believers. <laughs> Remember we having that discussion? Why are we believers? This thing ain't working. <laughs> when it doesn't look like things are changing. Remember, again, this is one part of one tribe's feelings. I'm asking you to do a little work for me. And the work I'm asking you to do is, all right, this ain't my story. But here is how I kind of understand. All right? Maybe something completely different. Right? You know, maybe you're tired of being made to feel like a racist by the woke movement in the church, right? Maybe you feel attacked. But I asked her, why are we still here? Why haven't we left the multi-ethnic thing, right? Where we're forced to come face to face with this stuff every Sunday, every meeting. Why are we in a denomination where we are 1%? It ain't grown much. Or yes, why are we still in the faith? 
that seems to keep leading us and leaving us on the outs. Why are we still here? Not because we see it or get it or have great personal resolve. We're just going to do it and push through. That ain't us. We just like everybody else. We think we out, man. Where's the exit ramp? Look at them folk. They doing good. They don't know nothing about Jesus. Right? They doing great. Look at our marriage. Dang, Kelly. Look at them folk who just, they don't know Jesus. They don't know God. They don't know the Bible. Right? Their marriage doing good. Let's exit. Why are we still here? Because the Lord has not left us. Y'all get that? Because the Lord refuses to lose us and let us walk away. Because when we have these straying thoughts, guess who's right around the corner as we stray? Our shepherd. We are still his and loving him and following him because he has led us in such a way with such divine grace skill and such incredible love that we will and have not been lost to the worst situations and issues that have come our way because like a shepherd unlike any others he will not only guard our life personally and mentally and emotionally get this he has protected and guarded our faith and relationship with him from being killed or lost or fade from 400 years of oppression our king has and will protect us and will continue to do so. That he has and is such a great shepherd that a church of mistreated folks are singing with joy by and by. Thank you, God. Our souls, our love has not and will not be forsaken through our lives. Though our lives might experience being consumed and taken and stolen and eaten, we will not let our faith be annihilated, though shaken, because you won't allow our faith to be annihilated or shaken or eaten. He will not lose us though we stray. He will find us even if we are kidnapped or taken for a time. He will lead us as the well-known Psalm 23 says, through the valley of the shadow of death, we will experience dark and uncertain days and years and thoughts and whole parts of our lives individually of who we are as a church body or American church, right? Because the Lord is your shepherd. You hear that? Not you. Not the power group, not your past, not your present struggles, not your questioning of your belief, not what you can see or think or hear for yourself, not your anger, not your anxiety, not your prejudice, not your ignorance, not 2020, not racial, gender, and sexuality supremacy, not what you can comprehend or put in policy, or who you can vote in office or put on the Supreme Court, or what ethnicity you are, whether you're a woman or, or social injustice, or whether you feel like you're an in crowd or out crowd, cultural or political group, the Lord Lord is our shepherd. Which means he will never leave or forsake us. That means never tiring of us. Never getting too tired to keep up with us when we run and we fall and we complain and we cry and we pout and we whatever. He never tires chasing us down and getting our hearts back. So we can trust him. 
Not just with our own mess, but everyone else's. This may be a way forward that we look over there, whoever there is, the Lord's their shepherd. <laughs> He's caring for all the tribes with all of their ups and downs and ins and outs and treating them as the most valued possession on the earth for the Lord. And for that, we must entrust God's king. Look again at verse 5 with me. This is interesting. At Hebron, David reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. Now we're going to get into how he moved in the, into Jerusalem, right? Into Washington, D.C., into the political center, if you will. The Bible says that they came to Hebron where he was Throning, if you will. You know what Hebron means in Hebrew? It means conjunction, connected, joined. God's king's goal was to be in a place in a way, in a way where he could not only connect, but join with God's people to be in a place where he could be seen and shepherd them and they could follow him. To take, David being, what he did, he's saying, I'm taking the job of being your shepherd. I'm here. There's a Christian praise song that was popular in the 80s. So y'all know, telling my age a little bit. I used to love that song. I still do. Sung by this Maranatha praise singer. Don Mion. Is that how you say his name? Mion or whatever? Okay, dang, I'm the only one who listened to that kind of praise music back then. That was a little bit more of my charismatic days. And the song says this. I want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. I just want to be where you are in your dwelling place, spoken in your de- dwelling place forever. Take me to the place where you are, and I just want to be with you. I want to be where you are dwelling, in your presence, feasting at your table and surrounded by your glory. In your presence, there there where I always, excuse me, that's where I always want to be. I just want to be. I just want to be with you in your presence. Yes, shepherding as we see with all the tribes following the leader and coming to Hebron from wherever they were, regardless, hearing and obeying the voice and having the desire and saying, David, we're going to follow you. We love to be where you are. You're in Hebron, you know, kind of off center. We'll go there. You don't have to be in Jerusalem. You don't have to be close to my house. You don't have to be in the neighborhood. You don't have to be in, in, in scooter distance, right? We don't have to ride our bike there. You, you, we're going to take as long as it takes to get there because you're there. Hebron was off. But they were willing to be off to be with him. You know what you can trust Jesus to be? Why you can trust Jesus, God's king, to shepherd you and me over all the stuff I mentioned (laughs) to lead you 
not because you and I are willing to go where he is. Because he's willing to come and go and gather you from where you are. That's what it meant that God sent David to be their king. He came to our Hebron, y'all. Our off-centered, not in the prime perfect place, not the prime people. He came to our Hebron, which means he came to give his life for us. In fact, Jesus said this, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his comfort, his dignity, his prosperity, his earnings for the sheep. For he's the good shepherd, so good that he can't help but take us in and out for our own good, so good that he will never leave but only lead, right? You know where Hebron was for Jesus? Golgotha. That's right. Outside the city. Not in a royal place. Jesus was crucified where the lost sheep, that's all of us, would be before God and he died there on the temporary throne of the cross. As a shepherd who laid down his life so we can be promised his care. In closing, hear this song, y'all. And imagine our king singing it. And I've changed a few words, but this is Jesus speaking to us as our shepherd. Hear this. I just want to be where you are. Dwelling, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want you to feel like you have to worship from afar, to feel worthless and alone. I draw near to where you are. I just want to be where you are, where and how you're living. Speaking to where and how you are, I come to the place where you are. I just want to be with you. I, I, I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, preparing for you a table while surrounded by your struggles. In your presence. That's, that's where I always want to be. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you so you can be with me. Our shepherd, y'all, where are you at? What you going through? How disenfranchised do you feel right now because you're sick? Or because somebody broke up with you? Or because the money ain't right? Trust the shepherd who wants to be with you. Next week, we'll explore what it means for God's king to be our prince, our ruler, our Lord, our king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we all have a testimony of where we don't think the Lord is with us <laughs> in dark times and in business struggles and marriage struggles and children and kids struggles. 
finances, school struggles, parent struggles. Lord, in our minds, in our hearts, I know we all say, the Lord ain't my shepherd right now. (laughs) Or at least I don't feel like it. Lord, I pray that this good news, that Jesus is the shepherd that comes to be where we are, to lead us where he would have us to go, would permeate our hearts today, and especially those who feel disenfranchised. And that's disenfranchised. Not only as those who feel like they on top right now, they're the center of the discussion, but those who may even feel attacked or mistreated or untrusted, be their shepherd. Be our shepherd. Help us not to focus our attention on whoever's in the White House or whoever's in Congress or in the Senate or who the judges are. Even though that's important, Lord, and you use those means, we pray that you would remind us, you are our shepherd. Even in this United States of America, (laughs) yeah, you still our shepherd here too. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.